Welcome to I'm Anxious About, a podcast where two friends commiserate about our respective anxieties on a new topic each week. I'm Christopher Mitchell. And I'm Allison Green. And today we are anxious about shopping. episode, we're pretty much exclusively going to be talking about clothes shopping. We did do an episode on grocery shopping. Chris, what episode was that? It was with our guest, Kira. A 12. 12, yeah. So we covered that quite a while ago. So we're not going to be diving into grocery stores this week. We're going to be talking about the dreaded clothes shopping and just like the mall and shopping experience in general and how we cope with that and manage to buy things so that we can cover our bodies when we go outside. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't apply for any listeners on nude communes particularly, (laughs) but it should apply to most others, I would think. Yeah. I'm not sure what the overlap between nudist colonies and anxious people are. That might be a very small Venn diagram overlap, you know, like I don't think that's a huge niche, no. sub-niche within the uh, the nudist colony identity. I wouldn't is- think so. I mean, these the people <laughs> who take the full leap onto the nudist colony, one would guess would be very comfortable with their being. And, you know, I can't imagine many things worse than walking around naked all the time for my own anxiety. But, um, you know, these people seem to thrive in that situation, which leads me to believe perhaps they don't have anxiety or maybe, maybe they're just anxious about other stuff. That being said, you know, Very true. I certainly... If you're a nudist, we love you. That's right. I was about to say, like, we still love you. Uh, I certainly spent significant portions of my childhood good and naked, running around. I'm not sure if I was that kid in the neighborhood per se, but the moment I got into the woods in like a decidedly Canadian setting, you know, nakedness was not out of the question. Well, now that we've discussed... Well, now that we've made ourselves feel more anxious yes. for our scale after having discussed all of our anxieties about nakedness, yeah. ugh, now I have to adjust my number up a slight margin. Operation scare off new listeners uh, seem to be a success. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so every week we do a little check-in where we ask each other how we're doing. And this week we are doing a scale related to the most terrible of shopping days. So Chris... On a scale of one to shopping on Black Friday, how are you feeling today? Yes, well, certainly happy not to be shopping on Black Friday. That is for certain. I'm doing well today. I probably maybe like a two, perhaps. And I think it's just largely because it's been a pretty reasonably productive day so far. There are some days, which I'm sure listeners can relate to, where it feels like you have a big to-do list and you're sort of running in one spot, kind of like treadmill syndrome where like you just can't seem to get anywhere. You feel like you're running quickly, but you can't seem to make any progress in anything. And I think today for the most part was the opposite of that. I felt like I knocked out a few things I wanted to. I was one of those people and still am to some extent that dream, the recurring dream of like needing to do something, but not being able to do it or time running out before you can do something is like, that's a thing for me. So I'm happy to avoid the heck out of that. I'm also feeling pretty good about the fact that I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is the 50th episode that we're throwing on our feed, and that feels like a pretty big accomplishment. I don't know the exact statistics, but I'm willing to bet that most podcasts that are you know, founded are not making it to episode 50, and we've had you know, pretty great support out of this, and I'm happy to be 50 episodes in, and I don't think we missed a week thus far, so it feels pretty good. We did have one kind of like cheating episode where it was like a couple minutes of being like, we're not going to record this week, but new listeners won't know that. So perhaps we'll just hope that you fast forwarded over that. Anyways, on a personal level, (laughs) feel overall pretty good. I think to uh, probably add a little bit to some of what I've been saying in the last couple episodes, the sun is pretty damn helpful. And I wouldn't be shocked if we had plenty of listeners who are Mm -hmm. feeling the same way. Unless you live in San Diego, in which case I'm just like, you're permanently enjoying life. But in Toronto, it's making a world of difference. So that is me. But of course, there are two people on this podcast. And so I must ask you, 
Dear Allison, on a scale of one to shopping on Black Friday, where are you at today? <sighs> this feels like a good place to mention that I made the mistake of assuming that Black Friday wasn't a holiday in Bulgaria, or not a holiday, but you know, like a shopping marketing ploy in Bulgaria last year mm-hmm. and ended up in a shopping mall on Black Friday in Sofia. And unsurprisingly, it ended up with me having a panic attack in a parking lot Mm -hmm. as we got stuck on like, it was like one of those multi-story parking garages that goes like this to like get down. And we got stuck with our car like this. Oh, I'm realizing we're on video. Okay. I held my hand at like a 45 degree angle. I was going to say, she did a twirl. (laughs) We're looking at some sort of like circular motion followed by a 45 degree angle. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, basically we were on a really big incline and we were just stuck there in a line of cars and I had a panic attack, which was really fun. That sounds fun. Yeah, it was so great. So I'm not having that moment in my life right now. So I can't be a 10. I would say I'm like a three or a four. I'm doing okay today. I've had a bit of a rougher week, just some personal things kind of coming up that have sort of activated old thought patterns that I kind of need to dig into, analyze, make my peace with, and go to therapy about. So (laughs) it's just been a bit of a, a bit of a week, let's just say. But other than that, like macro level, I'm feeling good. So I don't really have that looming existential anxiety that I've been having at times. I'm having just more like kind of run of the mill personal anxiety. So that's been good, I suppose. So yeah, let's say a three or four. Okay. All right. I see you're still refusing to indulge my desire for the halves. That sounds, Allison, we that could is, say it's a three. I was going to say, I mean, a three, three or a four, a three or a four to me. I mean, that screams 3.5. I'm just saying. It does. Yeah, it does. Okay. I, I accept your 3.5 and let us move on with having, <laughs> <Quickly. picked. laughs> having made a decimal so that I don't freak out about it. I don't like decimals. I know. I'm just not a fan. Yeah, I noticed that right from the onset. I think it was probably episode <laughs> like four. I was like, I'm probably like, you know, if push came to shove, like a 3.5, maybe 2.5 and you, I couldn't see your face at that point because we weren't recording video, but I, I could sense that in that silence, like the silence was pregnant with frustration. The ironic thing is we've been going back and adding show notes and transcripts to our old recordings. And I was in charge of doing like the first one. Uh, I'm anxious about starting a podcast. And the very first scale I ever did, I reported a 6.5. And I'm like, oh, that's really ironic because I always rag on Chris and try to get him to not do decimals. Wow. (laughs) But I was the one who started it. That's a very (laughs) historical moment for the I'm Anxious About podcast. I'm I'm happy you shared that. You didn't have to share that, but you did. But I have the kind of anxiety where it's like, once you know something, even if it's like embarrassing to say, you just have to like blurt it Mm -hmm. out if it's in your head, even if it's like well, this doesn't actually like serve me or make me more comfortable or like fit into the conversation in any way. I'm just like, and then this, you know, I just have to blurt something as soon as it's in my head. Are you the same? Having recorded uh, 50 episodes with you, I agree. That is something that you, <laughs> you you can do, but blurting out of something in your head. However, like all jokes aside, I actually think there's a there's actually a lot of power in basically saying like, I'm going to put this out in the world and that's how I'm going to process this because I literally can't think of one situation in which holding on to something for me, myself, and I, just trying to process on my own indefinitely and and not speaking out loud has ever served me well. It, it's always, I find better to say it out loud. Even sometimes like when you say it out loud, it becomes instantly ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? Like in your head, it's this like profound oh, yeah. thing. And then you say it out loud and you're like, I think like already I am ridiculous. For how I feel about this. Oh, yeah. So I fully agree with that. I mean, perhaps is like the entire premise of the podcast is that it's a little bit easier to say things out loud. And I would like to think after, yeah, 50 episodes, we've put a lot of things on the line that could be at least borderline embarrassing, but um, you don't see us with rosy cheeks. We're still going strong. Definitely. We've said some things that make us fairly unemployable, but thank God we're self-employed. <laughs> I was going to say, it's a great thing we're self-employed and just uh, so driven with anxiety about needing to work for somebody else that, uh, you know, we're we're going to push forward. So it was almost like that's our insurance policy about making sure we can continue to stay self-employed is just to make ourselves 
virtually unemployable via audio, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like, let me just be such a liability that just no company will ever want to hire me. And then I guess I have to hire myself. Yeah. And of course, this is our own viewpoint of it. I will point out that we did have the CBC uh, listen to our podcast and say, actually, I want to interview these people about it. So perhaps perhaps we're actually the the jewel that many employers are looking for. And uh, it's just our own understanding of our, yeah, this isn't working. I'll give up on this, Allison. Sorry, I'll pass it back to you. Yeah, I'll let you go there, Chris. I, I won't join you on that journey. <laughs> See, again, this is where the greatness All of right. video comes into play because like, I've never seen such a furrowed brow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that was a look of contempt. Anywho. Yes. So let's uh, let's get rolling with the whole shopping thing. Where do you want to start with this? I'm assuming you have a place in mind. And if not, and I've totally put you on the spot, I can roll with it as well. Uh, yeah, let's go into just shopping in general. One thing that gives me a lot of anxiety is I don't like shopping with other people. Mm-hmm. I don't like the idea of shopping with friends or shopping with a significant other is the most horrendous concept in the world to me. Like, I know there are some girls who are like, I want my boyfriend to shop with me. I'm like, I could not think of anything worse. Number one, I don't want to overanalyze constantly how long I'm taking to pick things out and try things on. When I'm shopping by myself, I can, you know, have as many rounds in the dressing room as I need, bring as many things in, not feel super self-conscious about what I'm trying and not worry about what it is I'm trying. If I'm trying something that's like maybe a little too trendy or like not really my normal style or whatever, like I'm always worried that if I'm shopping with someone, they're going to look at something I have in my hands and be like, really, Allison? Really? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't really have a great sense of my own personal style. So I'm always just kind of trying things on and seeing what works and what usually does not work in a very like horrendous fashion. I'm like, wow, I look like a picnic blanket had sex with a birthday cake. This is terrifying. (laughs) That's actually my favorite look. Um, (laughs) That's what I'm going for this this spring. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it is a very spring look. I mean, you. you know, just screams like spring birthday, you know, but I will try on a lot of questionable clothing items and then have a very visceral reaction to it. And I don't like anyone being around to experience that <laughs> that recoil, whether it's a mental, physical, or emotional recoil. So I really don't like the experience of shopping with other people, particularly because I'm embarrassed of how many things I try on in order to find things that I like. And then also having to sort of do the mental torment of deciding which items to buy and kind of I do have some trouble spending money on myself and believing that I'm worthy of things that cost more than $40. And so, you know, it's that kind of battle that I have to do that it's a battle I prefer to do personally from the comfort of my own bed, which is why I like online shopping. Fair enough. Yeah, I can resonate with certain aspects of that, particularly just the feeling of of being rushed because someone's waiting for you or that you're just it's so funny to me because uh, in my head this person is pacing back and forth and cursing my existence and every single time it's just it's brie really and she's just like checking her phone seems very content but in my head i've constructed you know whatever narrative it is related to waiting that i'm this burden to keep somebody waiting but i agree with you 100 I, I like shopping on my own because can of i it. interrupt here for a second i think the reason why we do this is we often ascribe to people thoughts that we're having on them because like we kind of can't get out of our sure. own brain space and so i'm a very impatient person i hate waiting for other people so like if i'm waiting for someone and they're taking a long time i actually will be pacing and cursing so like aggressively impatient and just like hating my life every moment that I'm waiting because I'm just an impatient person, especially if I'm standing. It's like I'm impatient in general if I'm seated, but like that impatience will be at a two. But if I'm standing, I'm at a 10. I hate standing so much. I hate standing and waiting. And so I think that I ascribe that impatience that I feel to other people and just assume that they have it because it's something that I think. So I just assume it's what they think, but it doesn't always work like that. Yeah. 
Also, I mean, with technology and all that stuff, like I feel like I don't like shopping. The act, the act of shopping for me is very pragmatic. It's not like I don't understand shopping as a hobby personally. However, I do totally understand the like motivation for like sometimes you buy something that you feel and look great in. I mean, like especially if you are somebody who like you don't always feel great if you find something that you're like this suits me perfectly and you feel better because you wear that i think that's wonderful you know and, and i can see that sometimes sometimes you see somebody walking down the street and you're like you know what that person is rocking that like that was just made for that person and i love to see that for me though like i don't like to be rushed usually i'm going to like spruce up my whatever insert whatever wardrobe and this is like not a huge occurrence for me but at the same time too like i do like to look professional or whatever like i don't want to be walking down the street and look like i just woke up and i'm like wearing some sort of pseudo pajama set but you know like i also don't have any shame (laughs) i also don't have any shame in being in a locker room or whatever like a little like changing room and sending a bunch of pictures to Bria and being like, I'm torn between these three. Let me know which one's right. And Bria is a decidedly decisive woman. She's very decisive. She'll let me know in like eight seconds. She'll be like, B. And I'm like, great. That's all I need to know. I'll just like, I'll grab <laughs> that and, and walk out. And, you know, back in the day, I used to have more decision fatigue because I think it's largely because I was still figuring out who I was. And I often think of shopping at least you know partially as like each thing that you buy is in some way whether we like it or not some sort of vote for the kind of person you see yourself as or you know want to be like I don't think it's shocking that I like to wear like kind of fun and weird and eccentric stuff sometimes like and I also like to wear stuff that provides me a memory too or triggers a certain thought again people we haven't released any of the video stuff yet but we're just collecting it now but I, I am wearing a shirt that I bought in 2011 when I lived in Oslo, Norway, and it's the scream, the picture of the scream, the piece of art by Edvard Munch. And it's the, I'm not sure if people would know this, but it's a picture he painted due to his own mental health issues and anxiety and things like that. And yeah, you know, you can probably relate to that on a bad day. Anywho, I like to, you know, I I think shopping can be something fun to do. It's not something I yearn to do, but uh, if I am going to do it, then yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to do that alone. Um, and I guess now with a mask on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One of the things for me that I think is more of a problem with shopping for clothes as a woman, but I think you'll be able to relate to some elements of this is that at least in women's clothing, there's a lot of clothes that kind of go through these trends that are just, they're not physically comfortable on your body. You know, for example, like an off the shoulder blouse, you have like elastic kind of trapping your shoulders. Mm -hmm. So like you can't actually really move your arm over a certain thing or something strapless. Then you have to worry about things like, you know, bras or bra lines and all these kinds of things. There's just like all these things that just like, it really just goes to show that clothing for women is a lot less utilitarian and a lot more decorative. And a lot of that decorativeness is really can be physically uncomfortable. And so, yeah, exactly. And I have kind of a lot of anxiety about because I have kind of heightened sensory sensitivities, same as Chris. Like, it's just something we both have where, like, we really don't like certain sensations of fabrics or clothes or what like tags or just things on our body. It makes me so antsy. And so, like, I feel like a lot of the time I'm in this battle between like what's cute and trendy and what did I see like cool people wearing on Pinterest and like what's the street style and like who do I want to look like and then the reality of like I want to chop off my shoulders when I wear an off-the-shoulder blouse (laughs) and I would rather crawl than wear high heels you know it's just like these things where but like in my head it's like I want to be the person who rocks that off the shoulder shirt with low rise jeans and high heels. Sure. That sounds great. But like in reality, the idea of my body existing in those conditions sounds like torment and torture. Like, no, like low rise jeans are like a special level of hell. I respect your play. I mean, Brie talks to me about this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a different ball game for you guys in any number of respects. And I think 
it's not altogether surprising. Like I'll probably have less of an emotional attachment or intensity when I think about my anxiety towards shopping. I mean, my, my anxiety towards shopping is largely just to do with, yeah, I guess just, as I said, like I think of each thing that I'm buying as like some sort of vote for the type of person I am. And so I think of like Mm -hmm. shopping as like creating a wardrobe. And we talked about this a little bit, the closet episode, I believe, but each sort of thing that I'm buying as like a, I'm like padding my identity in some way. And so that feels at least medium stakes to me. I know it shouldn't, but Mm -hmm. I do think of that as like each thing I'm buying is in some way padding my identity. And that could be, I mean that like in any way possible, it could be in my case that I, after this pandemic, you know, subsides a little bit, I want to show some love for my home city. And so I rock a new Raptors jersey, you know, to show that I'm from my city, you know, and show my love for the city. Or it could be as simple as buying a new dress shirt or for a wedding to celebrate the ability to go, you know, celebrate an occasion or whatever, all of this kind of stuff. And I think it's a little bit easier for me now because I'd like to think I have a better sense of who I am. I made plenty of decisions in the past when shopping where I just quite literally should have burned the money rather than spend the money on something. And the funny thing is, when I think back on it, when I made that purchase, there was some voice in my head that was like, that's not you, it's not you, it's not you. But there was another voice in my head that was just like, but it could be you. And it turns out I probably should have listened to that (laughs) inner voice, right? That real deep inner voice. And then thankfully, I've become a little bit better at listening to that voice and just being more comfortable with who I am. Now, for sure, if Brie does listen to this episode, I'd be remiss not to mention that sometimes she, like, I'll be going out. Again, this is more like when I used to go out, for example. But I'd be going out and she'll she'll make a comment like, are you going to wear that out to uh, to that event? And I'm like... Yes. And then I know like, oh no, I'm I better take this up a tier. You know, I probably should take this up a tier. I'm getting better at that. <laughs> yeah, anywho, it, it's funny because shopping is not something you'd think about as being so multi-layered and multifaceted, but it is, and it's considerably more so for women. There's just no question about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess the way that I conceptualize even my identity is probably less there's less layers for me to consider. There's certainly less signals being sent at me about who I should be in order to feel confident. And that's something else to consider. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think you have to integrate those ideas because they're very successful at marketing them with also how you actually feel in the clothing and the whole shopping experience. It can be really hard to kind of synthesize that and reach a place that you're actually comfortable with and isn't being motivated by some sort of ad manager from Fifth Avenue whispering in your ear about something you should <laughs> like, nothings. basically, you know, like some madman <laughs> or madmen kind of figure just, you really should like this because you'll have a good life if you like this, you know? <laughs> Don't you want to be successful and happy? <laughs> yeah. Don't you want to have a life that means something and isn't just meaningless? Look how this beautiful your kids help. are when you wear this. <laughs> Yeah, I find I have to be in like a incredibly particular mood to go shopping. Otherwise, it is so easy for me to just like abandon ship and just want to burn down the whole experience. Not literally, but just like if anything at all goes awry during the shopping experience, I bolt. I'm just like, I'm not in a place to shop today. And it means that I don't shop very often, at least in person. Now that I'm back in the States, I have been indulging quite a bit in some online shopping. I didn't really do online shopping in Bulgaria because it would get sent to the post office and then it would devolve into yes, like yes, a Steve. dress rehearsal of Kafka's The Trial, where I'm just getting sent to various bureaucrats who all <laughs> yes. seem to loathe me and want to send me in circles for the rest of my life. So now that I'm back in the world of Amazon Prime and ethically questionable deliveries, <laughs> it's gotten good. I mean, one thing I've really been leaning into is like buying matching loungewear pajama sets. So that's what I'm wearing right now. I'm wearing like a nice little loungewear thing that like it looks like a Zoom appropriate. Like it looks like I'm not wearing pajamas, but I thought you dressed up. I literally <laughs> thought you dressed up for today. No. I was going to feel bad about wearing my Scream no. Edward Munch shirt because I was like, wow, she's really bringing her A game today. But now I find out you're wearing pajamas. Yeah. 
I'm literally wearing pajamas, but like there, it's like a matching set, you know? So like, it looks cool, especially if I tuck it in, it looks cool. And that's like the biggest life hack. I'm like, oh, if I wear pajamas, but I tuck the shirt in, I look like I'm wearing a jumpsuit, but I don't, it's not one of those annoying jumpsuits where like you actually have to take the whole thing off in order to go to the bathroom. It just looks like a jumpsuit. That's a great life hack for you guys. Yeah, that's that's probably the big tip. Is that the big takeaway for this episode? It is. Yeah. It's buy matching lounge sets and people will think you're wearing a jumpsuit if you tuck your shirt in. And also you can trick anyone into thinking you've dressed up if you only put on lipstick. That's the other takeaway. Impressive. (laughs) I have not tried that approach myself, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it could work. You know, people will definitely notice you and they'll be like, wow, Chris did put some effort today. I'm noticing an effort. Yeah, I mean, I this is for next week. I'll be sure to wear my rock and red, piping mm-hmm. hot lipstick. I don't know. I'm assuming that's not the name of any lipstick ever made. Brie probably has <laughs> names of lipsticks that are something more akin to like I don't know, like something like cherry something or other. I don't know that. I was trying to think of all sorts of Japanese, but like Sakura, like pink Sakura or something. But there's a reason that I'm stuck behind a mic and not in one of those boardrooms. Mad Men style sharing ideas for marketing. <laughs> so I won't go in that direction. I've bought just on the subject of like makeup, there are some really just like embarrassingly named makeup things. When I was younger, like my dad would always like treat me and take me to like Sephora and I'd find these products that I really loved, but they'd have like the most embarrassing names. One of just like the universally accepted best blushes in the world is NARS's blush that's called orgasm. And it's like, it's so awkward to be like, I want this. Please, please, please don't, please don't read anything about this. Please. I just want to wear this to my prom. Please, please. (laughs) And I think I bought an eyeshadow once that was called like label whore. I'm like, God, this is disgusting. I don't want to wear this, but it looks really nice. It was like brown with like blue flecks and it brought out my eyes in a nice way. And I was like, I actually really like this. It's like label whore. I'm like, but I don't want to like this. This is so antithetical to like everything I believe in. Yeah. You're buying orgasm and label whore and I'm (laughs) men's names for things are just like generic. It's just like I can't even think of what a name would be, but it's certainly not like slut man, you know, like it's not like <laughs> sexy time, mister, you know, like it's, it's just, I'm not going to, yeah. to buy that. It's probably like something to do with sailing or something like, oh, not a voyage. It's something abstract. Yeah. But with women, it's like, not only are we expected to like buy and wear makeup, but it's like, there's also all these really weird gendered ideas being pushed onto us, but like the literal actual name of the product, like sexy vixen. And you're just like, (laughs) I just don't want to look tired. Like this isn't like about like trying to seduce the world. I just don't want to look like I'm dead. Really? Because I you showed up today like, can in, we have... in your finest gear, you know, your lipstick and your beautiful suit. And I realized quickly later that I misunderstood it. I thought you were trying to be a sexy vixen to take over the world, but really you were wearing pajamas and just trying to look presentable. And I mean, yes. but I'm just a yeah. stupid man, Allison. The Zoom up. Yeah, I just couldn't figure it out, you know? <laughs> yeah. It should make a makeup line where it's just like not... Every color can be like not a blank. So it can be like not a reanimated corpse, <laughs> not a piece, not roadkill. Not a piece of not, shit. That was the next one for sure, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not a lazy piece of shit. Not didn't sleep for 45 hours due to anxiety. Is this the new anxiety you know? line that you're launching? It should be. I actually just discovered, this is a totally random aside, but I think women listening will enjoy it. There's a brand of lipstick called Lip Slut, but they're very politically active and they have all these, every lipstick is named after like a influential woman or like a man that they hate, like Brett Kavanaugh or Trump. Like I think they launched with a lipstick called Fuck Trump. And they have one that's like fuck Kavanaugh and they have one that's like for Kamala Harris. It's called like I'm speaking. There's like she persisted. That's for Elizabeth Warren. But all of these, they donate like 50 percent of their proceeds to different women's organizations and voting rights organizations. So they're 
brand philosophy is like women have to pay the makeup tax so let's make the makeup tax like do something for Mm. us and I thought it was cool I haven't ever used their products I just like literally discovered it last night just like so why not futzing around on the internet this is not sponsored but why um, not lip boss as opposed to lip slut is there I think it's like play on words and just like to kind of say we get to control this right sort of thing yeah and just get to co-opt it and just be like whatever like fuck you this is fun for us. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of the thing is like, just like taking away people's ability to wound you with words by just like being like, that word doesn't offend me. You know, I think that's kind of like the philosophy there. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure what her specific philosophy is. But it sounds like they're but it's just the yeah, it sounds like talking about the like orgasm and like, whatever. It just made me think of like, all of that, which it was probably all made by like men in some boardroom of like women will like this. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right. It was a bunch of men in a boardroom. Like, I think if I was over what I would like this. And you're like, no, no, you made a lot of people <laughs> I w- very uncomfortable, Gerald. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to be a label whore. <laughs> like who the fuck named that? Like what? Oh man. It's so degrading. And I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Oh, man. Well, I'm happy that was a fun sidestep. I actually think it's not that much of a sidestep. It's actually quite on point of like why there's anxiety about shopping because there's a lot of messaging as well that that goes into branding, right? I mean, ultimately, clothes are made for Mm -hmm. people. And yeah, there's ways that we have to navigate identity around that. Like you really like the color doesn't mean you're looking to – you're looking to basically – be like, hey, dad, I'm looking to orgasm. You're like, no, I'm I'm actually just trying to buy this lipstick very, very <laughs> quietly. This is deeply embarrassing for me. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I think part of this thing with shopping too is like you are confronted with like these weird ethical and political decisions as well. You know, it's like you don't like to spend money on yourself, right? But then you also don't want to be buying into a system that you know supports child labor and unfair labor practices and stuff, but it's really hard for you to reconcile. And things are just so not transparent when you shop as well. You know, it's like, okay, maybe this shirt costs $400, but like, was it made by the same impoverished worker in Bangladesh living in like a tinderbox that's about to go up in flames? Sorry, this is getting really Yeah, you love the the flames. not these flames these flames are pretty sad but you know it's like item being a higher price doesn't necessarily mean that it's more ethical Mm -hmm. like a lot of these things there's so much greenwashing that happens too that a lot of things that say they're ethical like actually like won't really talk about like what people are actually paid and that sort of thing and yeah it's just kind of hard so like I try to I've actually kind of tried to like extricate myself from a lot of that by just mostly shopping secondhand. And that way I just feel like, okay, like whatever financial benefit these companies got has already been received. Like I have no impact on these individual companies' bottom lines. It's just like the clothing is already in existence and circulation. And it's just like, I'm just buying from, you know, either directly from an individual or from like an online consigner. But I've just found that as kind of like a way to sort of, first of all, like I don't have to go in person a lot of the time. Although some, I did like to go to like consignment stores in person, like pre-pandemic. I like actually like shopping secondhand and thrift because it feels like a treasure hunt. My mom's the same. She, She loves it. Yeah. I think for women too, it's also kind of, if it doesn't fit you, it just doesn't fit you. And there's not really some sort of like moral thing about it. Well, like I should be like this size. You're just more like, oh no, it just didn't fit. Women's sizing is so freaking crazy. It's so all over the place. Like in the same exact body, literally same exact body, I've been everything from like a size two and like Ann Taylor Loft, which is like vanity sizing up the wazoo, which is probably why I love them Um, because it's like, it's the only brand I can be a size two in. Then you'll have like, I'll be like a 12 in like H&M. And I'm just like, this is not standardized at all. Like I can understand like you kind of going back and forth between a two and a four, six and an eight, whatever. But like some brands, I will truly be a four and some brands I will truly be a 12 and they will both fit me. And it makes no sense whatsoever. And so it's just always frustrating because like when I'm shopping in person, I'm like looking at the garment and being like, hmm, Hmm. Okay. Like, 
let's let's twist it this way and that way okay this looks like about the size of my human rib cage and it's like you know it's just like <laughs> the numbers mean nothing you know so you just kind of have to like guess and get really good at eyeballing something and seeing if you think it'll fit you nicely and it can just be kind of tiring too you know whereas i feel like guys most of the time you kind of know that a medium is going to fit like a medium and like they actually the number for the pants is, you know, is actually like it derives from an actual number. Yes. Your actual like hip inches diameter yes. or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And women, it's just like, so here's a scale from zero to 12. If you're a zero, you're good. And if you're a 12 or over, society hates you and you should really try to be more like a zero. And it's like, but it has no correlation to like your actual measurements, you know, so it's just like, it's just bizarre. You know what I mean? It's just like, I just don't understand it. And it gets me really frustrated when I shop sometimes. That's an extra layer of anxiety. I I don't really have to contend with. I mean, really, yeah, pants fit uh, pretty true to form. And beyond that, it's really just like some companies make larger larges. You just kind of figure that out over time. Certainly when I lived in Europe, larges were like smalls in North America or medium and the extra large would be like you would swim in that in Europe. Like they're just enormous. So, but right. really, it's it's not a horribly complicated. It's not like a not nearly as complicated and not nearly as judgy. There was one thing that I wanted to remember to mention. I was kind of looking at a few things before we were recording because, as I kind of suspected, like there was I have a limited amount of phrases and ideas I was going to use towards shopping because. I think, again, like I just don't have as much to say about it necessarily, but I was noticing that. So, you, like, you know, agoraphobia, right? Like, agoraphobia is the, mm-hmm. as far as I understand it, it's like a, it's largely based on the fear of like being in a situation that you can't escape from or you can't get help from, or like even on a broader scale, there's a sort of sense in which you are worried that you can develop fear of leaving your house because you lack control over the situation and things like that. I'm not sure if you have a better understanding of yeah. agoraphobia, but that's kind of the way that I understood it. Yeah. I, it comes from, I think, isn't agora that, like the Greek word for like market? And so it's That's like, what I was going to connect It's essentially to. the fear of going out into yeah. Yeah. It's a, essentially the fear of going out into public. I had really intense agoraphobia for like three months due to where I was living and catcalling. Like I couldn't leave my house without feeling so stressed about the amount of harassment I was going to receive. A lot of which was like coded as like really violent as well. It wasn't just like attention, but it was like it would very quickly turn to like a compliment to like throwing bitch and all sorts of like horrible things around. So I developed really bad agoraphobia for a while until I moved. New York City is a rough place for catcalling. I don't know if it's gotten any better, but like, whoo boy, that is one difficult place in terms of catcalling. Yeah, I think Toronto has some of that going around. Like, I don't want to stereotype, but I know construction sites and things like that. I've had friends who have talked about difficulties of being catcalled around construction sites and things like that. And yeah, I going to connect it to was just really the notion that like the uh, agoraphobia is so named, you know, fear of living the house based on the the ancient idea of like the fear people, you know, I don't think anxiety is a new thing. The terminology they've used is very specific in the idea of like the agora being like the ancient market, people not wanting to go out. I was just sort of fascinated by that connection of them specifically using that word to talk about. I guess my point being that like anxiety around shopping is probably more prevalent than we we think right like and in in a sense i'm Mm -hmm. putting check marks beside our choosing this topic (laughs) because you know Mm -hmm. but but i i do think that again people with social anxiety people with agoraphobia all of this kind of stuff i mean shopping is an intense experience because it's so jam-packed with the opportunity to judge yourself right like you are kind of at the like and i mean this probably more for someone you know, in your position than mine, where you're going to go in and, and however you're feeling, you might try something on that you're feeling good that day. And then you try something on and it's like, Hey, Allison, you're a 12, you know, and you're kind of like, wow, I guess I'm supposed to feel terrible now. Like it strikes me as like a really turbulent experience, or at least has the potential to be turbulent, you know, particularly if you are not mm-hmm. feeling great about yourself that day, people talk about it like shopping therapy, like that it's the opportunity to go and like treat yourself to something. The other side of that, of course, is like, I have a hard time thinking about somebody who might go and want to treat themselves and they end up treating themselves to uh, something totally unwelcomed, right? 
there's a lot that's out of your hands mm-hmm. in that respect. Probably I don't have to face as much. Yeah. I've definitely had that experience where I'm like, I want some retail therapy. And you're like, I'd like a refund <laughs> on this therapy session. This was brutal. And I feel much worse. Like that pair of pants was an assault on my sense of being. And refund, please. <laughs> Never doing that again. I didn't buy anything, but refund, please. Yeah. Yeah, it's really apt, actually. I had never made the connection of agoraphobia and literal agora market. And I think it is because, yeah, like historically, like it was the place we'd all kind of go to meet Mm -hmm. and exchange ideas and talk. And a store or a shopping mall these days doesn't really have that same you know, it's not like the public square, essentially, that yeah, it used to be. Nobody's speaking but... at us from a, a small pillar with a small crowd around uh, observing stoic principles. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not happening anymore. Um, unless Chris is I was in town. Say, he's... <laughs> I, was wait- I was waiting for that joke to come in. I'm happy you hopped on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for new listeners, Chris will make any excuse to wax literally philosophical about stoicism. It's true. Um, which I enjoy because I enjoy stoicism as well. But anyway, I'm just a little I'm a little more stoic in my enthusiasm towards stoicism. Oh, very nice. Very well done. Very well done. Great segment for you there. <laughs> yeah. So I think anyway, in general, it is a place where we're kind of forced to go out in public, confront different aspects of our inner and outer identities at the same time. And that can be really challenging because at the same time, you're like dealing with whatever inner demons you have, whether it's body image or just sort of what is my identity look like in terms of the clothing I put on my body and how do I want to show who I am through what I wear. Both of those are a very internal thing that you have to do while also dealing with like a lot of external things. And then there are also like a lot of really small external factors that are really stressful, potentially for people with anxiety who are like hypersensitive to stimuli, like lighting can be literally awful and like you're like good god what is your strategy here why are you making me look like this like casino lighting buy your clothes (laughs) yeah no it's not it's actually worse because like casino lighting at least is like kind of like dark and whatever but like i feel like in clothing stores it's like let's put on literally every light bulb that's ever been created so that you can see every single hair out of place and wrinkle and sag and dark mark and just every single thing let's just like put a spotlight on it and then maybe you'll feel so bad about yourself that you'll want to buy like at least a handbag because you're like there's no possible way i can look bad in this you know i don't know i feel like mm-hmm. there's some weird thing going on with the lighting yeah. but also oh, the, for music. Sure there is. the music in the stores is like i don't want to feel like i'm in a club in the middle of the day why do you think this is like a good soundtrack to shop to this is just stressing yeah. me out I do agree with that. And now also like certain stores uh, like a Nordstrom Rack or something like that, where they'll have an intermittent thing where it's like every like, I don't know, whatever it is, every like six or seven minutes or something like that. It'd be like, haven't found what you're looking for? Be like, be sure to tap one of our attendants on the shoulder. They'd be happy to help. You can like see attendants like cowering away and like going to hide and stuff like that. And there's... <laughs> And then for someone like me who gets obsessed about the minutia of things, like I'll begin to figure out how frequently it's utilized, like how frequently they make announcements. And so I'll be shopping, but in the back of my head, I'll be like, I bet you there's 90 seconds until the next announcement. And I will literally sometimes (laughs) stop and I'm like trying something on or like looking at something in front of the mirror. And in my head, I'm like, 10, 9. Eight, and I'll try. I'm serious. <laughs> I will try and get it exactly if I notice something like that. And it's like I don't know what this says about me, but like even sometimes when I'm out walking too, I use an app to track walking, and it will say like you've walked five kilometers. And I will literally, when I'm getting close to it, be like, I bet you it says it in ten. Not so when I'm shopping, it's the same thing. If I notice something pattern oriented. I'll wait until, you know, and then I'll hear like, ding, ding. And it's like, our sale can't be beat. Nordstrom Rack. And you're like, and you know, it, it's just, it's funny. <laughs> I don't know why, like you, you can tell I watched South Park growing up because all my voices are like pseudo South Park voices. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anywho. Yeah, I have the same experience. 
I borrowed my dad's car and there was like some sort of notification that I didn't know how to turn off. And so like I had to figure out exactly how many seconds were in between the beeps so that then I could be like, okay with hearing the Mm -hmm. beeps, because if I just counted between them, it didn't bother me. But if I just heard the beep, it was bad. So I relate to that. And um, I did figure out how to turn off the beeping and I didn't crash into flames. So that's good. good. More flames. There, there go my flames again. More flames. <laughs> you are on fire today, Allison. <laughs> yeah. Just watch like three years from now. And we finally discovered who's been setting all the fires. <laughs> Podcaster Allison left a trail of breadcrumbs alluding to her love of fire. <laughs> anyway. I-, I 142, I'm anxious about fire, was the giveaway <laughs> when she admitted to setting yeah. fires. Publicly and openly. (laughs) (laughs) From her jail cell. (laughs) Anyway, and I also just wanted to talk... Did I talk about the fact that I used to be a sales associate at Anthropology on the podcast? I don't think that was just what we chatted about pre-recording. So... For those who don't know Anthropology, it's like a very like aspirational lifestyle brand. And it was a very oppressive place to work. It was horrible. But one thing that really stuck in my mind about value and clothing and shopping was like, I would see a dress come in that was like $350. I would watch it kind of get merchandised and so much like strategy behind like the placement and the styling of it and such a narrative kind of being created around this like one article of clothing, right? And then I would just watch sort of like the evolution or devolution or devolution, however you say it, of that item as it got marked down. And then like eventually it would just become tattered heap on the floor of the sales room that was like trampled upon and had been marked down so many times. And it really made me realize that value is super fungible and like it's not really inherent to the item. So like I have a really hard time with buying anything full price because I just assume that it's going to like depreciate in value rapidly and be worthless almost like very soon. And so just kind of seeing that process happen in front of my eyes and just like repeatedly for like a year or a year and a half that I worked there, it just really made me realize that like when we buy things that are new or like full price, we're buying like a particular story a lot of the time. And there's like this like markup in value, but like that's not the actual value of the item. The value of the item, I mean, the value of the item is whatever you pay for it essentially, but like it's not the only value, you know what I mean? And it's like what the sale price is, is closer to like their actual material cost. So like when you buy something that's like not on sale, you're kind of buying the idea of the item and Mm -hmm. like the market of the, you know, whereas like sale, they're more like, okay, shit, like people didn't buy into this idea. Like now we just kind of got to cover our cost. And so like, I'm not saying I won't buy things full price because I think there is a value, you know, to buying something that you love just because you love it and you like how it makes you look and you don't want to risk it not being available in the future. But I do really in general have a hard time paying full price for items after having seen that almost everything that was full price eventually goes on sale, you know, and how we treat sales items is so different. Like just literally watching people just like literally trample all over them in this like teeny tiny packed sales room that was the worst, worst hour long shift to be scheduled on because you just had to like squeeze your way between like people like rapidly fighting over clothes that they just throw on the ground. Eventually it was just like, (sighs) yeah. Anyway, sounds like fond memories. No anxiety will give you retail or retail will give you anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Anxiety. I like that. Anxiety will give you retail. Who knows what it means, but it's cryptic. Yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. It definitely doesn't mean anything. Um, it's just one of those obscure quotes you put on a shirt and everyone's like, yeah, man. But yeah. I think I, I'm with you on that. I, mean, I kind of always shop at those spots that are where things have kind of already gone down. They're, they're at the bottom of the hill because I'm fine. Like I'm not looking to be – I'll spend money on certain things. Like I like you know certain outdoor gear and stuff like that that I'll spend my money on. And mm-hmm. that's great. I think there is – a certain amount of power, you know, or not necessarily power as much as just like a feeling of like, I've worked hard for money, my money, and I want to spend it on X. I think there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, when it comes to clothes, I'm kind of the same with you. I'm always kind of looking for when I'm not buying the story as much. So 
Right. I think we've uh, tackled this from a bunch of angles. We've kind of sprinkled tips throughout. Are there any other tips that you wanted to dive into a little bit before we went to our last section, which is back padding? Yeah, I would just say like take advantage of all the different ways in which you can shop. There's online shopping, there's secondhand shopping, there's buying things in the store, trying them on at home and then returning them. You know, so there's all sorts of ways where you can kind of tailor the shopping experience to be more pleasant for mm-hmm. you. So just, you know, just check things like return policy and, you know, be aware of how annoying is the return going to be? Like, do they provide a like a postage prepared bag for you? Most do with online shopping these days. But like, you know, what is your friction point kind of going to be if it's a return? Like if you have to like print a label and find a box, are you actually going to return it? Maybe not. But kind of like learning how these returns work and maybe doing some online shopping and returns, it can be a lot less stressful. And it's made me be more comfortable with clothing, trying things on in the comfort of my own home. I'm judging myself a lot less because I'm like, I'm not the person out in the Agora. I am just me at home, you know? And so I'm like, I'm able to be like, yeah, this suits me. Like, I feel happy in this. Or I can be like, who the fuck do I think I am? Why am I trying to be a picnic blanket that had sex with a birthday cake? This makes no sense. Like, who am I? I I never thought I'd hear that sentence again, but here it comes twice in one episode. Incredible. (laughs) It was such a potent image. I had to use it twice. Um, Mostly because I've like, I've tried on an alarming number of things that just like, why do I think I look good in clothing that makes me look like a literal pilgrim? The world will never know. (laughs) What really alarmed me once is like I really hate Halloween we did an episode about this before but I was just trying to like figure out how I could make like a Halloween costume out of like clothes I already owned and me uh, my sister was in town and I was able to assemble two like Mormon sister wife outfits so we were sisters who were sister wives which was (laughs) the best Halloween costume I've ever come up with but I was like it's alarming that I can put together not one, but two very convincing sister wife outfits with my wardrobe. I think I need to reassess what I think looks good on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know now you're going to have an anxiety brand of lipstick and cosmetic products, as well as your pilgrim line of clothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, yeah. you're going to call it the anxious pilgrim, right? Yes, of course. Yeah, the anxious pilgrim. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Any tips on your end, Chris? Nothing, you know, immediately jumps out at me. Just, you know, the only thing that I can think of is is similar to what I thought of in the IIA flying, which I think was 48. We just did it a couple of episodes ago, which is just that when I'm on the plane, I put my earphones in sometimes whether I'm listening or not, because it gives me control over who I'm going to interact with. And I do like to interact with people, but not all people. And there are certain instances where, you know, if I'm shopping or whatever, like I really don't want the help of employees or I just don't want to be noticed really. I just want to go about my business. I don't want to be spotted. Mm-hmm. And particularly if it's a store, I guess, where they make commission off me. Like I just find having my headphones in it, it creates a little bit of a barrier where they come up to me and I'm like, I like have to go through the process of pausing and being like, sorry, what? Oh, just if you need any help, I'll be over. And they kind of already back away. And I'm like, great, great. I, I'm good. Thank you. So my tip really is, and and this is not my like attempt to create a world of people walking around with headphones and not engaging with each other, because I think I personally get a lot of anxiety from feeling separated and lonely from people. But there are certain situations such as, you know, being on an airplane and shopping and stuff like that, where I want a little bit of control in that situation as far as who I'm engaging with. And I find Mm -hmm. that whether we like it or not, headphones are this universal symbol that somebody is potentially otherwise engaged. Uh, I'm not going to start up a fake conversation and be like, yes, Mark, that's a great point, you know, but I, I am often listening to podcasts when I'm in public and I do find that podcasts for me are a bit of like a protective blanket for me for just like, I'm like happily in my mm-hmm. own world, if that makes sense. And I kind of relish that spot. Yeah. I'm in the middle of a conversation here. Right. With <laughs> me, myself, and you know. It's, yeah. W- w- and I'm anxious about, of course, right? Whoever I'm listening to. Yeah. This could get very meta if someone's yeah. out in the Agora listening yeah. to this. I think that's a good point. 
Yeah. Are we bringing Agora back? Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what we're branding. That's our first line of clothing for the Anxious Pilgrim is the Agora line. I'm bringing Agora back, like to that, like Justin Timberlake. No, beat. no, too far. Not anymore. Not, I'm not I tried into it to do it, Allison. but I didn't really commit to not it. Into it anymore. <laughs> I'm done with it. The whole line's canceled. Yeah, I, I wasn't into it the second I said it, but like it got like stuck in my head. So like I kind of had to say it. It's that blurting thing right? that I mentioned at the top. Very of the full circle right now. Yeah. Um. Let me break the full circle very quickly, just to say that. Since moving back to California, I've actually really like loved the small talk, which I never expected I would like. But after like, I think three years of being treated like I'm invisible, I'm just like, oh my God, thank you for acknowledging I exist. I actually don't need any help right now, but thank you so much for asking. That's so kind of you. I really hope you have a good day and like, God bless you and your children. I'm like, wait, what? what is coming out of my mouth? Those are not words that belong to my lexicon. But like, I will find myself being like, extremely extremely excited to have these like dumb little small talks which I think means I'm in the right place right now you know because that was something that always annoyed me is like I felt like Californians were like very fake right I was like oh we like everyone is always asking how you are but no one actually cares and like you know it's like it's also like fake polite but like the world isn't like that you know and now I'm just like ooh, I love this phoniness you know like you know that little voice influenced by like Holden Caulfield when I was a teenager who's like the world is full of phonies I'm like I like these phonies they're really nice (laughs) yeah and if the the result is real then who cares what's phony right (laughs) exactly it warms your little heart who cares if they're secretly thinking I'm fine I I agree I don't want to be here (laughs) if someone wants to hold the door for me for some sense of duty that's tied to I don't care what it's tied to I think it's a lovely move I always try and hold the door for people and do mm-hmm. little things. Same. I was walking yesterday and a woman with her dog stopped to make eye contact with me and said hello and gave me a smile and it you know, made my day. I think we were very much wired for that. Um, and this is with all due respect to people who mm-hmm. experience social anxiety. I know it's a different world, but I think you know, I see that as generally speaking, fueling part of my move away from anxiety for me personally is, is just having those small little mm-hmm. connections. Yeah. I think people also are like yearning to be mm-hmm. good right now, if that makes sense. Like I think people are going out of their way to try and yeah. do little things to let people know like, hey, I know there's so much mm-hmm. that's going on in the world that's concerning and worrisome and right. troubling. It's like, but I'm going to provide one little moment that's just like, just so you know, in this moment, I give a shit about you and I may never see you again, but I care. And mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of nice. Yeah. I'm all about like the nod across the street or like the slight raising of your hand to like a delivery driver or, you know, just someone kind of like going about their job or like a neighbor, mm-hmm. you know, I'm all about just like these really short but present moments of just like acknowledgement of like we are occupying mm-hmm. the same space in the same moment and just like I see you you know just the thing of like passing someone on the trail and just being like literally hey you know just these things like it's actually giving me a lot of joy lately I think just having been in such an antisocial society for so long where like I would literally say hello to someone getting off the elevator and they wouldn't even acknowledge me I'm just like such a weird way to live your life. Maybe that person had anxiety. You never know, but I don't think so. I think he was just a jerk. But, you know, anyway, that's just a little aside. I'm enjoying the North American friendliness, like hardcore. I got it. So, my, I should just, this is just a quick aside, but I mean, Turkey was like the epitome of social, right? So, like, it went from like, there's a lot of ways in which Turkey was actually much more overtly social and warm and friendly. Mm-hmm. And I spoke almost fluent Turkish by the time I left. So, in some ways, actually coming home was actually less social in some way. So, it was a kind of a different experience for me. But um, that's probably for an entire, yeah, other it's really, but yeah. Final tangent. It's so bizarre that Bulgaria and Turkey are neighbors and that, you know, so many Bulgarians have like Turkish ancestry due to Ottoman occupation and everything, because I cannot think of like two more visibly sort of similar, but socially incredibly distinct cultures, you know, like certain words will be the same because of the, you know, the history of occupation and the cuisine will be similar and certain architectural styles, whatnot. But then in terms of just like who the people are, I'm like, 
they're extremely different people in terms of, you know, social norms and, you know, different things. It's just bizarre that they share a border and such a history, you know, it kind of blows my mind because I feel like they're so distinct. But anyway, sorry. We're travel writers, so this is an occupational hazard. We occasionally turn episodes on shopping into, you know, ways to just reminisce about our Or episodes on anything, because there's a good chance that if we've done it, probably half the instances we're talking about did not happen on whatever home soil, you know. Home soil, yeah. But, you know, hopefully people find that fascinating. But just in case they don't, what are you patting yourself on the back for this week? I'm patting myself on the back for doing a five and a half mile hike. So I have been battling chronic fatigue and sort of narratives that I've been feeding myself around my fatigue and my own limitations a lot. And I had a bad day on Sunday and I was like, I need to go for a walk. Like it is essential. And so I went for a walk. I walked literally as far as I could walk in one direction and then hit, you know, a turnaround point, turned the other way. I was at the point where I could walk home, but then I was like, that actually wasn't enough of a walk for me. Like I'm still like kind of pissed off and in my head, like I need to keep going. And so I just like kept walking and kept walking until I just decided I didn't want to walk anymore. And then I walked home and it was like five and a half miles, a lot of uphill a lot of downhill. So it was actually pretty intense. And like, I actually feel good. Like I was less, I'm definitely sore, but I'm like less completely destroyed and fatigued than I expected. Cause I have, you know, kind of like a post-exertional fatigue that kind of sets in a lot of the time, but I actually like kind of stayed within my limits and pushed myself just the right amount, which was really nice. Cause it can be really discouraging when everyone's like, you should exercise. You'll feel better if you exercise. And then you listen to them and then you exercise and then you're laid out flat on your back for two days, like unable to move. And you're like, yeah, exercise doesn't really help all the time. Stop stop acting like it does. So I'm just happy that it actually did work for me this one time. And knowing that it won't always work. And sometimes I will be laid out for a while after doing some exercise. But this time it was really good. It made me feel good. So Wonderful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I was going to say, please see IIA 47. I'm anxious about energy levels for more details on mm-hmm. that for if anyone wants to listen to that yeah. but that's something we both contend with and thankfully i'm feeling i got some of my energy back so i'm, I'm kind of back to exercising as Woo-hoo. much as i can i'm going to go for a probably like a 30 kilometer bike ride right after this which i'm Ooh. looking forward to um like i'm so adhd i can feel like my legs are like almost tensing up and flexing right now because like ah, biking soon you've been shedding for so long um and that was uh, of course uh, all my elementary school teachers would mention you know would recognize that set of movements and the look in my eyes like i'm ready to do like i'm ready to bike 30 kilometers except i only had 15 minutes to run outside which again all my school teachers will agree was not enough so <laughs> I, I guess I'll, I'll take that and run with it as far as what I'm patting myself on the back for. And I am patting myself on the back for responsibly integrating a bit of coffee back into my life. I, Ooh. Think, I know, right? I know it's a little, I know I've been, I've mentioned on the podcast before I've dabbled a little bit, but I, I'm kind of, I haven't been able to drink coffee consistently for probably almost a year, probably really realistically. And, uh, and, and even before that, it was like, it's been a couple of years, a few years since I've really been drinking coffee every day by any means. And I'm not drinking coffee every day, but I'm in a bit of a better mental headspace. Um, I think it's fair to say there were certain points this pandemic, just even as recently as like three weeks ago or a month ago, I just wasn't myself. And I think coffee would have just sent me into a tailspin and but I'm feeling kind of good enough I'm, I don't know what's the weather or water what's going on but I'm I started my day with coffee today instead of tea for the first time in probably a year it's probably a year and a half and I feel pretty good and I had some tea this afternoon I mean I'm still still pretty devout on the tea train I'm not trying to uh, replace the tea or anything like that because I think it's a little bit better for me to be lower on caffeine but it's just nice to know I can drink coffee I mean there was a, a good period of time where drinking right. coffee would and and like send me into like a three-day tailspin of just like like it would literally like a cup of coffee or some coffee could send me off the deep end into feeling pretty rough for a couple days just with anxiety and things like that so i'm um Mm -hmm. relishing that i am able to do that so far and i'm excited about that it just feels you know when something's off totally off limits for you it's just human nature to like desire it even more in some way and so 
I'm just happy I have that option. Yeah. And that's what I'm patting myself on the back for. Also, like not going wild. I have a horrible tendency, like when something I can do something, I just like, or I guess I'll drink coffee five times a day now, you know, and I'm patting myself on the back for just like actually taking things, something with a measure of patience, um, which is just so out of character for me. So that's what I'm patting myself on the back for. And I will be honest, I did not think we were going to have a big, long episode like this on shopping, but um, I'd like to think we covered some good ground in the Mm -hmm. Agora. Yeah, I think so. In the Agora. (laughs) Not the word I would have think that I'd be repeating a million times in this episode, but you know, life is full of surprises and Agoras. So we hope that you have a great week. We hope that whatever Agora you enter does not give you phobia. Yeah. Uh, join us in our Facebook group. Uh, we are anxious about if you want to chat about this week's episode or anything at all. And we appreciate every time you share this podcast with someone, leave a review, subscribe, any or all of the above are always little wonderful ego boosts and help this podcast continue going and getting it out to more people so we can keep producing content. Yeah. So we thank you for every time you share or even just listen. It means the world to us. So thank you so much and um, have a great week. For sure. And I will say we wouldn't have gone through 50 episodes without all those ego boosts. So keep them coming. Thank you. And we'll catch you soon. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, guys. Praise. Give me the praise. Give me the praise. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>